0: Good morning, and happy Canada Day. I want to echo Chandler, uh, very impressed. I thought that I would be preaching myself this morning, so I even invited some friends from Florida with me just to make sure that I wasn't alone or whatever. And yes, in case you're wondering, you have an American preaching on Canada Day. (laughs) If you have any issues with that, Alistair would be happy to chat with you when he gets back. (laughs) We are moving along in our Practices Series, and today we're looking at Sabbath. And we find ourselves uh, in Matthew's Gospel, and I know that for many of us here, our thoughts about Sabbath could be a little diverse. For some of us, it might be a distant Jewish tradition. For some of us, it might just mean taking Saturday or Sunday off. And some of us just honestly don't know what to make of it here. Today, we're going to look at this story involving Sabbath in Matthew 12, but we're actually going to keep in mind the few verses before at the end of chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, please go ahead and open it to Matthew 11. We're going to start with verses 28. If you don't have a Bible, there are these gray ones right outside the door. Uh, Feel free to use them, and please take them home. They're our gift to you. Um, But everything's going to be up on the screen behind me today. Uh, I'm going to warn you, we're going to do a little bit of flipping around today. So we'll be in Matthew, but a few other passages as well. So don't feel uh, obligated to have to keep up. Just look at the screen. But go ahead and turn to Matthew 28, though, and we'll start at this one. Or Matthew twelve, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So at the end of chapter eleven, we find Jesus inviting his audience to him for rest, and he's saying that his yoke is easy, which you can take to mean that his teaching is easy. And in order to explain this, Matthew's actually going to move forward and give a couple of stories involving the Sabbath, and it's the first one that we're going to take a look at. And this is going to be an example... of why in our Bibles we need to be careful about chapter breaks because sometimes we might read chapter 11 and stop and then the next day pick up in chapter 12 and not really remember what was going on before. So you think of uh, what Jesus said here in chapter 11 as we move forward into these. So we'll continue on now in Matthew 12, starting at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priest and the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now there's a ton of background context here that could be said regarding the Sabbath. Um, Enough probably to launch a whole another sermon series here. So I'm not going to dive into anything. But for now, I really want us to first pay attention to the fact that there's some serious conflict going on between Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees who are accusing them of doing apparently what is unlawful. And if you're not familiar with who the Pharisees are, uh, they were a movement within Judaism back then. They had a lot of influence. They were known for taking the law very seriously, and especially the Sabbath. And so this is a a people who had a a significant presence. And what we're going to see here is that later on in chapter 23 in Matthew, Jesus is actually going to be speaking about the Pharisees. And he's going to be telling us that it's actually the Pharisees who are creating heavy burdens, that are being hung around our necks. And this is in contrast to Jesus' light burden that he's presenting here. He claims that they act hypocritically for the sake of their status. It's interesting because he tells us to listen to what they say, but he warns us to not do what they do. They were focusing too much on performing the right actions, but for the wrong reasons. And so we do need to be careful, though, to not kind of take this and label all Pharisees in the past, um, people are complex. They're not just good or bad or whatever, but in this story here, this is the point that Matthew's making here. It's that the work that the Pharisees had to do, I mean, it was intense in order for them to keep up with the law the way that they did. Um, and they had reason to do it because they really thought it mattered in the eyes of God, uh, but there was something not quite right about it. Matthew's trying to show us here that their aim wasn't on who God wanted them to be, it was on just the work that they thought they should be doing right now. And there's a concept that I want to focus on that kind of stems from this that I think about. There's this sort of paradigm that I see in our contemporary culture, and there's just three words that are a part of it. It's "Do, become and be." We do work in order to become the person that we wish to be, so that we can be that person. And just a quick heads up, this isn't going to be a sermon that downplays our work or makes us feel guilty about our occupations or whatever. Uh, I just want to discuss what God desires through the concept of the Sabbath for all of his creation. So that said, there's a big idea that I want us to wrestle with this morning. And that is, are we resting from the work we do for the sake of ourselves or in the work Jesus did for the sake of the world? It's really easy to get caught up in that do become the paradigm in postmodern North America. Our culture tells us that we can choose to be whoever we want to be. Um, The caveat is just that we have to make it happen. Uh, Fear not, we are fully equipped with this. There are books and TED Talks and videos and podcasts and you name it on helping us achieve this. Um, I'm sure if you're out there, you've seen this kind of stuff. Uh, It helps us become successful, helps us become rich, happy, healthy, beautiful, or just be all around better. And, of course, the second caveat is that our culture is actually telling us often who we should be. It's telling us that we should be rich, happy, whatever. Um, like I said, I don't want to downplay some of what's involved here because a lot of this stuff can be really good. It can have extreme positive elements to it, like just exercising or having a healthy diet or learning good money disciplines or whatnot. But we want to ask the question, what does the Sabbath have to do with this? What's different about our Christian life versus the secular world. They're aware that we need sleep, all right, that we eventually burn out and that we have to be smart about how we work towards our goals. So again, why this Jewish custom that we're talking about here? And this can be tricky because many of us just recognize the Sabbath as being one of the Ten Commandments, as we read in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. So we're actually going to turn back to the Old Testament and look at this commandment real quick to see, well, what is it actually saying there about that? So I'm going to look at Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, and we're going to take a look at just this one commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what he's referring to here, the author, is the creation story in Genesis 2, the scripture reading that we saw this morning, where the Lord rests on the Sabbath day. But when we think about rest, remember, that never said that God got tired after all that work. Rather, it says that his work was completed, and the word for rest, in this case, can mean to cease. Just, excuse me, just as God ceased from his work. But he does more than cease, right? He blesses. Right? He, he blesses the seventh day. He makes a big deal out of it. And it is a big deal. God just created creation. And so with this act, with this blessing, God actually makes this concept of Sabbath rest a part of the fabric creation, including us. And so we're meant to have moments where we cease, Not to make a big deal about what we've done, but about God and what he's done. And actually, back in the book of Exodus, we see an example of this, even before the whole Ten Commandments are laid out and and it becomes a bit of a rule for us here. If you look back in chapter 16, we'll see Israel in the wilderness. They've been freed from the bondage of Egypt, and they're on their way now to the land that God's promised them. And on this journey, God provides this sort of miraculous food for them to eat called manna. We read that every day people gathered as much as they needed for that day, but they weren't allowed to keep any until the next day because it would spoil. And we even find that some of them actually put this to the test, and they go out and they try and take more and keep it for the next day. And indeed, the man rots, and it winds up being useless. But something interesting happens uh, right after that. So I'm going to look at Exodus 16, verses 21 to 27 here. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And so unlike the other days, on the sixth day, whatever they gather actually is good on the seventh day, right? Without any of their doing at all. Uh, It's a day where they won't have to go out and collect. But unfortunately, as we see here, some of them still try and go out and they don't find anything that day. Even though God is offering them rest on this day, they resort to working, to doing. And if we think about who they want to be, it's understandable, right? They want to be alive. They want to be fed. They want to be safe, given their history as slaves under the threat of starvation. I get it. But as good as these things are, God is calling them to more. He's calling them to be who they are at a deeper level, the core of themselves, which stems from that creation story. He wants them to remember that they are always completely dependent upon God, but the God who they can count on, the God who they can enjoy. He's the God who rescued them. He's the God who's bringing them into the land that he promised so that they might have peace. That is Sabbath rest. But this Sabbath rest isn't just for them, right? Israel was indeed God's chosen people, but they weren't just lucky winners of a prize. God chose them for a reason. They were to be right, reunited with him, but also a blessing to the nations. They were to go out and show the world that the God of the universe is here, that he is the one who provides us with rest. But if we read through the Old Testament, we start to see that you know, things actually don't go according to plan. We don't see Israel experiencing all the rest that they imagined. Uh, We kind of see the opposite. We see them enter into a series of conflicts. They're in conflict with others. They're in conflict with themselves and eventually driven into exile. And then centuries later, there they are, living in the Roman Empire, no longer resembling the nation that they once were, but still hoping that God would deliver them. And along comes this Jew who starts to ruffle some feathers by starting a movement that poses as a threat to them. Which is why back in Matthew's Gospel, we find Jesus in conflict with the Pharisees. And so, back in chapter 12 of Matthew, you got to ask yourselves, did the Pharisees just happen upon Jesus and his disciples in the grain field? That's a bit coincidental. The answer is, of course not. They were looking for a way to discredit Jesus and get him out of the picture. They were hounding him. But Jesus shows them up, as he always does, always with words. And he shows them How, in a sense, they've missed the bigger point in the scripture. And then he says something amazing in verse 8. He says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's not doing away with the law. He's fulfilling it. He's saying the Sabbath isn't over. He's saying the Lord of it is here. And they need to pay attention to him. Uh, If you want to know a random fact about me, I've been doing kung fu for a very long time super fun. Um, I have a ton of books and videos at home, instructional stuff telling me how to do it. But if I was at home studying one day, practicing whatever, and Bruce Lee walks up through the door, my eyes would be off the books and videos, totally planted on him. It doesn't mean that the videos and the books are worthless, but I would be a fool to disregard what they're pointing to, right? This person in flesh and blood who's right here before me. And so this is why Jesus' yoke here is truly the better one. He is Lord of the Sabbath for them and for us. We might not have a Jewish background, but if we follow Jesus, then we still need to take the Sabbath seriously because Jesus didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. And staying attached to Jesus means sharing the fruit of this. So one more passage And we'll stop flipping around here. I'm sure many of us are missing the book of Hebrews already. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. For if Joshua had given them rest. God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Jesus is this Sabbath rest. The author of Hebrews here, writing to a congregation that's facing persecution, that's going through turmoil, and that's probably trying to do a lot to get through it, needs to be reminded that. And we need to be reminded of this here. We need to be reminded that Jesus has fulfilled what we read in the Old Testament, that we don't need to work at our salvation, that he has done that for us. That's the work that he did. We can rest on his victory on the cross. this isn't about being held accountable anymore to a series of laws, right? This is about receiving the grace that has been offered by God himself for all of us. Our status that we work so hard for sometimes, is ultimately defined by this. We are children of God. That's who we are before anything else. When we wake up in the morning, it's the first thing that we need to think of ourselves as. That's our status because of what God did. Now, this doesn't mean that our actions don't matter anymore, right? Uh, We still live in a time where we're anticipating Jesus' return, It's a time where the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us for the sake of others. Because just as Israel was to be a blessing to the nations, it's the same for us, right? And this is the part that can be a little tricky here because just like the work that we do matters to those around us, so does our rest. We don't just work for the kingdom sometimes. We rest for the kingdom, all right? But it's not just about... Taking a break. We saw that the Sabbath is more about that. Although truth be told, taking a break is hard. Um, It can be very countercultural for us to step away from our work, which seems endless. Often it's the reality that even if we accomplish all the work that we have in front of us, there's just more that's going to pop right in and take its place. I used to work for a large video game company that would remain unnamed. And uh, every year we put out a new sports game. And it wasn't uncommon to spend many, many, many months working 60-plus hours for that game. And we had a goal of what that game should be. And sometimes we even met that goal. But then as soon as we met that goal, new goals popped up. And we were just striving to constantly make that game better. And honestly, in that industry, the fact is, is that if you're not ready to do that, there's a ton of people who are lined up uh, to jump in and take your place and make that sacrifice here. And that's just an example of what our culture is like. That's an example of how um, even our jobs can define us, how we literally, if we're spending that much time there, that our jobs have just defined who we are. And it's almost like when we step away from our work sometimes, when we take our work that seriously, that we feel like we're stepping away from who we are. That's why I love this quote from retired former pastor and theologian and professor Eugene Peterson. He says, if you cannot afford to take one day a week for rest, you are taking yourself too seriously. <laughs> Let's pray. I'm going to show you, I mean, we could end it there. Um, <laughs> but also the truth is this, is sometimes we just have a ton of work to do. All right, sometimes we have to work multiple jobs just to make ends meet. Sometimes we're suffering from an illness that creates a lot of work in our lives. Sometimes we're just finding ourselves uh, in, a, in a slump where we, we know that we have the time, but for some reason, the energy isn't there, all right? We're depressed or we're finding ourselves just not able to bring it and we, and we think, I'm not able to do what I need to do. Or it might just be a single parent with kids trying to take care of that and still keep things afloat. Or it might just be underwater and have no idea how we got there. Now, these are real things that can happen to any one of us here. And in these moments, we're not to feel guilty about the fact that we don't have a nice polished Sabbath practice. But the truth is, is that even in that, God is still calling us to his rest. He's calling all of us to rest in him, not just because we finally got our work done or we're getting it done, but the fact that he completed his saving work that makes us his children. Even though our salvation matters, we know that how we live our lives matter because of that gift, right? Because that matters, especially for those around us, those that don't know the Lord, They need to see God's goodness in our lives, too. And so when we try to go and establish these practices, what do we do? Well, this idea might be a little radical in our culture where we just find ways to shortcut stuff and Google it and get it done or whatever, but um, the only way to do it is just to do it when it comes to resting here, all right? But that actually might sound a little tricky because before we talked about that paradigm, right? That paradigm says we we really shouldn't be... uh, Resorting to doing, right? Well, the truth is, is that the paradigm first needs to be flipped. All right, We need to be working out of a new paradigm. Be, become, and then do. All right, we need to be who Jesus has allowed us to be. All right, we need to be the way God designed us to be that we saw in the creation story. We need to be who we are so that we can then become who God is continuing to make us because he is not done with us, all right? We are continuing to be sanctified. We are continuing to be more like Jesus. And we're continuing to be people experiencing God's rest. And then we'll do. Then we'll do all the acts of love, of mercy, of grace. And we'll testify of God's goodness through our lives and our work and our rest. And so remember the story of the Israelites and the manna. On the seventh day, there was a necessary element of trust in their rest. And the same goes for us here. Our patterns might not be we work six days and just take a seventh day. But when we rest, there needs to be that trust, right? There needs to be that trust in God because the truth is saying yes to the Sabbath does mean saying no to our work or what else would be taking its place but it also means saying no to that voice that might be inside our heads telling us that things won't be okay unless we get that work done. This isn't just about stopping the work, all right? If all we do is just stop our work, then our minds, our hearts, by default, they're gonna find something else to be busy with, or we'll just be thinking about it even if we're not doing it, and then really we're just doing it in our heads. But our minds and our hearts, they need to be Redirected with gratitude towards Jesus, resting in the work that He did for us. And there's a good chance that when we step away from our work at an odd time, this might actually be noticeable by people around us. All right, when we step away when others would continue to push on and to get more work done, people might be curious. So take a moment, seize that moment, be brave. If they're curious and they ask why, let them know. Don't just let them see you resting, but let them know why you're resting. Let that be a part of your testimony in your life. Let them not just think that we're resting so that we can get right back to it. That we're resting so that we can rejuvenate ourselves, so we can still get back to our work. Let them resting because let them know that we're resting because there's been a greater work done, a work that far outweighs any of the work that we can accomplish here. And honestly, if you're seriously struggling with this, um, so am I. Uh, Sabbath is not an easy thing to study uh, for a few weeks to prepare for a sermon on because it just eats at you because this is very difficult even for me too. And uh, I want to say, like other practices that we've been talking about in this series, this is not one to be done in isolation here. All right? We're all a community here. All right? We're all in the family of God. So look around. Everybody here has each other's back here. So don't think that this is just something that you have to go and muscle by yourselves here. Lean on each other. Encourage each other. If this is hard, voice it. Say, yeah, this is actually hard. This is harder than just taking a day off. I really didn't realize how much work there was going to be to do this. And so I need prayer. I need help. And the Spirit of God is going to be working in all of us together to establish this. And that's how he's continuing also to bring around his kingdom. Now, one last thing. Don't you dare believe that anyone who says that you are only worth the work that you put in, your value has been placed by Jesus Christ. He's the one who died for you and who is alive in you. He is the one that gives all of us here true Sabbath rest.